You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 14. The Bible says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." Amen. And you may be. Armor of God. And I hope it's been a help to you. I, I want to tell you, it's to me, it's just so simple. Uh, it's just so practical. But I hope that it's been a help. And I hope we're not just listening and uh, then just walking out and living the same way. I hope every time. I hope we're uh, adding some uh, things that we can put on every day to be more effective for the Lord. It's good to see Brother Charles Rose. He was hospitalized a, a few weeks ago and had to be in rehab for a few days. And he'll be in physical therapy this week. Hope you pray for him. And uh, let's pray for one another. And God has been uh, so good to our church. And I'm thankful. I think uh, the way that uh, uh, Miss Dale said it was so good. I don't know how people do it without a church family. Uh, but I'm thankful we have a church family. And uh, you folks are the best. And I thank the Lord for you. Ephesians 6, we see in verse number 15, the Bible says, And your feet shod, S-H-O-D. I, I doubt you've used that word in your vocabulary this past week, unless you've been memorizing this passage like I've challenged you to do. But uh, outside of that, I don't think you've probably used that word. It's an interesting word. It's an old uh, English word. But it says, And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I want to talk to you about the right kind of shoes for battle and what God has told us for spiritual warfare. Yes, you got to have on a breastplate. Yes, you got to have the belt of truth. Uh, and yes, we'll see, you got to have the shield of faith and you got to have the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and you got to have prayer. But you can't forget the right shoes. And we'll talk about that this morning. Lord, would you help us and speak to our hearts uh, from this passage of Scripture? I pray that we would be receptive. I pray that we would be uh, anticipating, Lord, that we could hear from you and that you would speak to our hearts and help us in our lives today, we pray. Lord, if there's anyone that is here in this service, anyone that's listening on the radio, anyone that's watching online, and they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at the word shod, S-H-O-D. It literally is the idea of being shooed. I don't mean like, hey, shoo, get out of the kitchen. You know, it's not, not time to eat yet. Some of you maybe got shooed this week. You know, you were trying to taste test a little early. But this is the idea of being shooed like you would do with a horse. You would put a horse shoe. You would put that on the horse 
and that's the idea of being shooed. Well, we obviously today, uh, we don't have shoes that are nailed to our feet. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, but we do have shoes. Can I tell you, having the right shoes is so important. Now, men, when I say having the right shoes, I'm talking about comfort. Ladies, when I say having the right shoes, I'm talking about color, style, uh, season, you know, what goes with a particular purse or a particular dress or whatever. Uh, for, for a man, if we've got a couple good pairs of shoes, pair of shoes for church, pair of shoes for work, maybe a pair of shoes in case you're playing, you know, basketball or running or whatever, you can, you can survive with just a couple pairs of shoes. Right, fellas? Just a couple pairs. And it's a good thing. That leaves more room in the closet for your wife's shoes. And ladies, how many of you would agree that, yeah, you know where we're going with this. Don't worry, we're not going to ask you to stand with the most, okay? Uh, but how many of you ladies would agree, you probably, we're not talking, we're not talking single digits for shoes, right? Ladies, are, are we on the same page? We're not talking like nine or less, we're talking 10 or more, right? Ladies, okay. Um, but you got to have the right shoes. I remember when I was in uh, junior high and high school, and we had our sports teams. I love playing sports. I always played soccer. We had our school soccer team. We had basketball, and then we had baseball. And you know what's interesting is for soccer, you had to have different shoes than basketball, for sure. You even had to have different shoes for soccer than for baseball. Now, it's cleats, but it's a different kind of a cleat. But for, for soccer, you had to have that, those cleats for the traction. You had to have it so you could get your footing and so that you could, you could stop and go on the grass and so that uh, you could uh, be effective on the soccer field. Well, on the basketball court, you had to have a certain kind of shoes and that helped you to play, that helped you to, uh, so your feet didn't hurt from, you know, you didn't just play in street shoes or if you did, you'd had blisters the next day. But shoes are so important for everyone, but shoes are vitally important for a soldier. You see, if your feet hurt at work, you might be able to sit down and you might be able to rest. Or maybe you can, on your lunch break, you can go home and change shoes. But when you're in a battle and you're out on the battlefield and you're in the middle of a war and you're marching and you're fighting and you have those shoes, you're stuck. You better have the right shoes. General George Washington and his troops during the American Revolutionary War, they did not have proper supplies. They didn't have proper uh, uh, food. They didn't have proper uniforms. And they certainly did not have proper shoes. They say, as writers have told the story about the Battle of Valley Forge, they said that there were times where you could see where the soldiers had marched. And it wasn't just because of the footprints in the snow, but it was because of the blood. And, the, and, and the, 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 the blood that had been left in the snow where the soldiers had marched through uh, without proper shoes or in some cases completely barefoot during those extreme temperatures. The American United States uh, military uh, had developed some, some, some boots for combat and some boots for battle. They developed some boots uh, during and after World War II that were meant for warmer climates and jungle climates. During the Korean War, our troops found out that those boots were not the proper boots for extreme cold temperatures. There was a particular battle during the Korean War where the temperatures dropped well below zero. 
And for the soldiers out there on the battlefield, many of them, uh, they suffered frostbite. Many of them had injuries that lasted even when they got home because of the cold and by not having the proper footwear. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he's addressing the Christian soldier. And he says to the Christian soldier, you must have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Roman soldiers had developed a shoe. It was kind of a cross between a sandal and a boot. And that shoe provided protection, but it also allowed the soldiers to have good footing and to have uh, good traction as they were in hand-to-hand combat. Those shoes were excellent for long marches. Those shoes were excellent for rugged terrain. Those shoes protected the feet of the soldiers. I want you to see quickly how we as Christians must have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Number one, we've already talked about it, but I want you to notice protection. A foot must be protected in battle. We, we, we joke as, as parents of small children, how many of you know that it's extremely painful if you're trying to walk through the house and the lights are off and a child has left a toy? It doesn't have to be a big toy. It can be a little toy. It can be a tiny toy. But if that toy is left out on the floor and you are walking through without the lights on, you can step on a tiny little Lego You can step on a tiny little toy and that little toy can inflict inflict a large amount of pain. Well, it's because you've got to have your feet protected in battle. We see, number one, that this provides protection. You must have protection if you're in battle. If you are fighting, if your feet are not protected, you will be rendered useless and ineffective in battle. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, it says we are to stand and to withstand and having done all to stand. And if you're going to stand, you got to have the right footwear. You got to have the right shoes. Number one is protection. Number two, there must be preparation. The Bible says and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Can I tell you, having your shoes on is usually an indication that you're ready to go. We will tell our children, we will say, all right, it's time to go. Got to get your stuff together. Got to get your coats. Got to get everything. And we'll say, and you got to get your shoes on. Now that sounds so simple, does it not? But when you've got small children, that is not a, 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 a short ordeal. That is a long ordeal. Uh, I think Kylie is probably our, our classic right now. She's four. But when we tell Kylie to get her shoes on, first of all, she can never find them. Secondly, if she does find them, they're not matching. Or sometimes if they're matching, it's two right foot or two left foot. And she's ready. To, she thinks she's ready to go out the door, but she's not. But, but you got to get your shoes on. You're ready to go. You're ready for action. When the children of Israel were leaving Egypt during the Passover, God commanded his people. He said, I want you to have your staff in your hand and your shoes on your feet. What does that mean? It means you're ready to go. I want to tell you as Christians, we can't be sitting around. We can't be waiting. We can't be casual. We must be ready for the battle. 
Number two is preparation. We must be prepared. How do we get prepared? Well, I'll tell you how. Number one, you get in this book right here. As Christians, we've got to know this book. You know, I'm afraid. This is my fear. I'm afraid that we, we take the mentality and we say, I've read it before. I've heard that before. I, I, I've sat through a Sunday school class before. I've sat through preaching before. And sometimes we come in and we zone out. Sometimes we come and we tune out because we think we've heard it before. Well, that may be true uh, with your work or that may be true uh, with your profession. Maybe you've heard it before. But this book right here is more than a book. It's the word of God. It is alive and God can speak to you from a passage that you've heard a thousand times. He can give you something fresh and new. We must be prepared to read it, to study it, to memorize it, to live by the principles of the Word of God. We must be prepared. Once you get your shoes on, you got to keep them on. Sometimes our children, they'll get all their shoes on. I, this last week, Kylie was outside and it had to have been 45 degrees. I mean, it was cold. And I look out there and she's out there barefoot. She didn't go out barefoot, but once she got out there, she decided she didn't want her shoes on anymore. But can I tell you, as Christians, you got to get your gospel shoes on. You got to keep them on. The world will try to get those shoes off of you. The flesh and the devil will try to attack to keep you from being prepared with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have in our back hallway, right back here behind Tristan and Charles, right back on that wall, and right over back here behind Brother Bethany on that wall, we've got a rack on both sides with gospel tracks. The front of the track has information about the church. The back has the plan of salvation, the Bible way to heaven. We've got another track we just ordered. It's out in both these racks, I believe, but it's got the explanation. You can read in paragraph form. You can read uh, uh, how a person can know for sure that they're going to heaven. You know what this is? This is the shoes of the gospel right here. You're prepared with it. You take some with you. After church, you stick them in your pocket. You stick them in your purse. You stick them in your car. You take them to work and you stick them out, uh, there at the desk at work or wherever your area is. And whenever somebody asks you about something or whenever something comes up, you're ready with the gospel because people need to know about Jesus in 2021 more than they've ever needed to know about him before. We must be prepared with the gospel. Number three, I see there must be a publication. The Bible says, in having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We often refer to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the gospels because they contain the gospel story. They contain the account of Jesus Christ and his uh, a birth, uh, his, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection. But can I tell you, the gospel is simply good news. That's what the word gospel means. It's good news. Well, I want to tell you, it's good news. But somebody's got to share it. It's good news, but somebody's got to tell it. Now, I know we're online. I know we're listening on the radio, and I can't control what those people are doing. But for those of you in this auditorium, I want you to listen and, and, and catch what I'm about to say. I don't want you to miss parts of it or you're going to do some crazy things today, okay? So, so catch it all, all right? If this did not happen, this is not true, this is hypothetical, okay? If 
the owner of Speedway Gas Station called me this last week and said, Pastor, we want to do something special for Victory Baptist Church. Today, this Sunday, he said, before, after church, preferably not during, but you know, before or after, just send your members by and just have them fill up their tank free. I said, well, what if they, what if they drive you know, several vehicles to church? What if they do the, the Bybee method where you drive, you drive separate, you know, so you don't get into an argument in that 60-second drive? And he says, fill them both up. Doesn't matter how many vehicles, fill them all up. He said, all I have to do is just show a, show a church bulletin, you know, that they were there. And he said, no problem. All day, today only, though, November 28th. And so he called me on Friday or whatever day. This did not happen. You all understand? Did you catch that part? Don't go steal gas and show them a bulletin as you're driving off and blame it on me. But what happened if that was said and, and they told me and he said, now, pastor, he said, we're not, we're not announcing it, obviously, because, you know, probably a lot of people would try to take advantage that weren't there. But he said, but, but you got to let the people know. And I said, got it. I am the, I am the one who is holding I am the one who is responsible now for the good news, free gas. Can't tell you, free gas has always been good, but these days especially, right? And I come to church on Sunday, November 28th, and boy, I get fired up, and I get carried away about all these other things, and I go home Sunday afternoon, and I think, oh, man, I forgot to mention it. That's all right. Tonight, I'll, I'll tell them tonight. Tonight after the service, we get done, we say amen, everybody's going home, we're locking up, and I'm walking through the building. All the lights are out, doors are locked. I see Brother Dan, he's getting ready to leave, and I say, oh, I forgot to tell him. It's too late. All, all of those people could have had free gasoline. All of those people could have saved themselves 50, 60, 70 dollars, and I failed to share the good news. I'd be ashamed. And you know the truth is, I probably wouldn't tell you about it after the fact because you'd be mad at me. But I would know that I could have helped you. I could have been a blessing to you. All I, I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to take your car up there. I didn't have to pump the gas. I just had to let you know that it was free, and it was all yours. All you had to do was go get it. And I tell you, we've got something better than free gas that we know about. We've got good news far better than that. We've got good news that people can have eternal life. People can know that they're going to heaven. People can have eternal life in heaven because Jesus paid the price, and we have good news. But if we don't tell anybody... It's not good news. Can I tell you, for folks that stand before the great white throne judgment, and they, and they say, well, why didn't my neighbor tell me? Why didn't my coworker tell me? Why didn't somebody, why didn't my family member, why didn't my friend tell me? I don't think we're going to have a good answer as we have been saved and somebody shared the good news with us. I don't think we're going to have a good answer to say, oh, I'm not sure. I guess I was too busy. I guess I had too much stuff going on. Friend, there's nothing more important than sharing the gospel with people. That's why we're here. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But there must be a publication. 
There must be the presentation of good news. We've got to tell it while we have time. Isaiah 52, Romans 10, the Bible says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In Bible days, they didn't have email. They didn't have text messaging. They didn't have a cell phone or a landline they could pick up. They didn't even have the uh, U.S. Postal Service or the Pony Express. They had messengers on foot that would deliver the messages. And many times, a messenger would be out at battle, and, the, and the, the general would say, hey, go tell the king we won. We got victory. And that messenger would run as fast as he could. He wouldn't stop until he got to the city. And when he got to the city, he'd be out of breath, but he'd say, hey, I got some good news. The battle's been won. Uh, it's over. We won. We got the victory. And he would tell the good news. And the people back at the city would say, wow, praise God for the messenger. That, those are some beautiful feet. Well, the feet weren't beautiful. But can I tell you, the message that was delivered was beautiful. The message that was delivered was glorious because they brought back good news. I want to ask you, I know we've been busy, but I got news for you. Life's always going to be busy. There's always going to be things to do. But how have we done this past week? How have we done this past month? How have we done this past year of sharing the gospel with people? You say, well, pastor, I, I work on Thursday mornings and Saturday mornings. That's when we have an organized time. And I understand that. We got a lot of folks in this church that witness all times, all places, whenever God gives them an opportunity. And I say, thank God for that. That's the way it ought to be. But maybe you're struggling in the area of being a witness. Can I tell you one of the best things to do is to come out with a group, get encouraged, and we go out and we'll hit a street and we'll pass out the gospel and we'll talk to people about the Lord, invite people to church. Can I tell you, maybe that might be what you need just to get you going, get you conscious of the fact that souls are lost and dying and going to hell. We must share the good news while we have time. Lastly, I see there's peace. The Bible says that we have our feet shod, that's protection, with the preparation. Then we see the publication, the gospel, the good news. And then number four, I see peace. You see, the gospel brings peace. You say, well, how does the gospel bring peace? Because if people receive the good news of salvation, people can have peace with God. Without the gospel, without Jesus, we are not at peace with God. We are enemies of God. But Jesus Christ bridged the gap. Jesus Christ became the mediator between God and man. And Jesus has brought a holy God and a sinful man together. And we can have peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way we can have peace. There's not peace found in money. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much uh, money you think you're going to have someday. There will not be peace in money apart from Jesus Christ. I don't care how much property you own. I don't care how many accomplishments you've had. I don't care how many titles or degrees you have on your name. None of that's going to bring peace, I promise you, because there is no peace apart from Christ. And the gospel brings peace. The gospel brings peace with God when you trust Jesus 
as your Savior. There's peace when you do what God has told you to do. There is peace when you tell others the good news. You know, isn't it great when you can do something for somebody else? You find it's truly more blessed to give than to receive. Brings you great peace when you know you've told people about Jesus. It brings you great peace when you've shared the gospel with a friend or a, a family member or a neighbor or a co-worker. It brings peace because you know that you have done your part. If I told you about the gas and, 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 and half of you didn't even bother to go by Speedway today, and, and by the way, again, that's not a true story. That was an illustration. Make sure you're still with me. But if half of you didn't even go, I can't force you to go. I'm not going to drag you over there. I'm not going to uh, uh, steal your car to go fill it up for you. But can I tell you, if you don't go, that's on you. I've done my part. I've told you. I've shared the good news. And the same is true with the gospel. You can't force, force people to trust Christ. You can't force people to get saved. But you can do your part. And you can warn them. And you can tell them before it's too late. The message came from the angels in Luke 2. and They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We can have peace with God, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only can you have peace with God, but you can have the peace of God. The Bible says in Philippians 4 that we can have the peace of God that passes all understanding you you know the story brother uh, fats we used to sing that song it as well and you'd have me share that story from time to time about horatio spafford he is the man that wrote the song when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul you say, well, he must have written that song when everybody was healthy and everybody was doing good and, and life was good to him. No, that's not when he wrote that song. He wrote that song as he was crossing the ocean to meet his wife after their daughters had drowned in a shipwreck. And as they passed over the spot there in the ocean, the captain of the ship came and said, Mr. Spafford, I, I don't know if you even wanted to know, but I felt like I should tell you. We are passing the spot where your daughters lost their lives. And it was then and there that Mr. Spafford wrote the song, It is well with my soul. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never been saved. I, I want to tell you, I'm just going to say it as kindly as I know how. You will not have peace. You will not have rest until you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only way you're going to have peace. But maybe you're here today and you have been saved. You say, Pastor, I, I, I feel like I have peace at times, but I feel like I struggle. You're going to have to let God take control of your life. The Bible says in Colossians, and to let the peace of God rule in your heart. You know what I do sometimes? I let the circumstances rule. I let, I let the surroundings rule. Uh, I let people rule. But I don't want to let people rule. And I don't want to let circumstances and problems and difficulties rule. I want to let the peace of God have control of my life. And there is no peace apart 
from the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.